Good morning. Welcome to the first 25. It is a crisp morning out there. Uh, we've got Jordan Durstein. 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 I was as I was saying it, I was You're like, like I just said Durstein that wrong. Halfway through. Durstein um, is speaking to you guys this morning. He is an Eden grad from 09. 09. And mm -hmm. so he grew up in the area, came to Eden, went off into the world for a while, did some music, went to seminary, I yeah, think. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. And now he is a pastor at Scott Street MB Church on Scott Street. Just up the road. Just, yeah, very close by. And so he is here this morning. I feel like I had one more thing that I was going to say, but it has slipped my mind. So welcome, Jordan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, good morning, friends. Yes, as I was going to say, Alicia, I feel awful. As Megan said, I graduated here in 2009. I went off to the University of Toronto uh, to study music, to study history, to study education. Uh, and then eventually I studied uh, theology as well, too. But I also took some time um, during that time to work. I worked as a music pastor at a church. I also moved to England. Um, I got married in 2014. My wife and I um, went off to, to England after one year here. That was pretty fun traveling Europe. I taught high school there. I taught music and I taught media studies uh, over in England. I came back and I worked as a pastor at the Meeting House for two years in downtown Toronto, three years in Waterloo, and then just recently I moved back to the area um, with my wife and two boys who are almost like three and a half, almost four. So he's wild. He's a wild, wild, wild. Do you know three or four-year-olds in your life that are wild? I see some nodding heads. He's absolutely bananas. And then I have a nine-month-old, and he is precious and cute. But I hear that you are talking about empire. Yeah? Talking about empire? Nodding heads? Good. One nodding head. Two nodding heads. Three, okay, more nodding heads. We're talking about empire. So this divided kingdom was alluded to earlier this week, and empire. And then my title here is From God um, as King to Human Kings. And so you're going through this big series, Eden, Election, Exodus, Empire which is where we are. And so this morning we're basically, I kind of want to help um, sketch the scene. Because my guess is, if you've been in Sunday school or been in church, you've heard a smattering of these stories, probably randomly. My guess is, you know the story of Elijah, uh, the prophet, when like fire rains down from heaven and the thing bursts into flames. You know this story? Okay, not again. I'm loving your nodding head. I'm loving your nodding head. This is great more nodding heads, the better. So you probably know some of these like random stories, but like tracing the trajectory of the creation of Israel as an empire is not really a phrase we hear. The story of the empire of Israel. How many of you have heard the phrase, the empire of Israel? Give me a giant thumbs up. You're like, yeah, I've heard that. You've heard the empire of Israel before, or did you just do that because I said this? Anyways, I'm, I'm very impressed if you've heard that phrase before, um, because I just don't think we think about uh, Israel as an empire. So I just briefly, to sketch, first, you probably know the book of Judges. Israel is not really a nation. It's not really like, oh, Canada is a nation, right? Justin Trudeau, whether you like him or not, he's our prime minister, right? We still kind of have the king now, I guess. Anyways, that's kind of how Canada works. Take civics. Um, two laughs. What a lively crowd. Thank you, boys. Appreciate the two laughs I got for that. Okay, so who is Israel, right? 
in Judges, 1st and 2nd Samuel, it's just random tribes everywhere. So it's basically like if your family got really, really big, you know how like your probably grandparents, great-grandparents had like 12 brothers and sisters? Yes, right? So imagine that just keep happening, okay? So you basically just have these family groups all over the place. And uh, people took pilgrimages to a very, very simple shrine or religious place in a place called Shiloh. And I've been there, and that's my picture of the place. This is like when the tabernacle, when God was in a tent, basically. Israel brought this tent around. It helped them defeat their enemies, sort of a thing. Um, This is where people went. Does this look like a big, fancy temple? No. No, it doesn't. And that's the landscape. It's a beautiful place Very dry, but still very beautiful. So this, fancier, right? Big upgrade from a tent. Yeah? Yeah? Okay, so basically, you've maybe heard of Samuel. I assume you've heard of the prophet Samuel. I named my second-born son Samuel. Great. Saul, big king, right? Strong guy, handsome-looking guy, tall guy. That's Saul. David, Solomon, these folks, in their lifetimes, these four lifetimes, huge changes, political, social, religious. By the time we get to Kings, Book of Kings, Kings 11, you have this elaborate temple, fancy festivals. Israel's like the biggest, strongest nation in this uh, period of Western Asia. How does this happen? David has great military success. He's val- he values Israel's religion, unlike Saul. Saul had a bit of difficulties with some of the priests, didn't go very well. Um, the Ark of the Covenant, you know how it's kind of like this little tent in Shiloh? Saul doesn't really care that much about it. David's like, no, 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 we're consolidating our religious power, our political power. We're all going to bring it into Jerusalem. And this is when Jerusalem becomes a really, really big deal and a really, really big city. And he values priests. He listens to the prophet Nathan at first. And David has great mercy um, in his leadership, right? We know David, what's his nickname? As a god after, a man after, how's it go? David is a a man after God's heart. Okay, thank you. A man after God's heart. Okay. And then they're like, okay. And David basically says to the prophet Nathan, how am I living in this really nice place? Beautiful cedar wood, beautiful stone, but God's sitting out in a tent. God needs a temple. And then the prophet Nathan says, there's too much blood on your hands. You can't build it, but your son can. So Solomon inherits much. You probably know the story. He asked God for wisdom. Um, Solomon, I use this phrase. He was in, oh, you can, next slide. Next slide. Oh, you guys didn't see the beautiful temple. No, that's too many. There you go. Sorry. Did you guys see the pretty temple? I saw the pretty temple. There's a pretty temple. That's the big upgrade, right? Tent. Oh, (laughs) there. Big upgrade, right? Tent to that. Big upgrade. Okay. Okay, next. Thanks. Sorry, I should have been saying slides. Um, Yeah, so all that stuff that I just talked about. But epic statesman. Okay. We don't think, we think Solomon, yeah, wise king. Uh, he, also, he wrote the books, I mean, wrote the books of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, his wisdom literature. He was uh, like super smart dude, but he asked God for wisdom. So he was also really, uh, maybe you know the story of the Queen of Sheba. She comes and like, and Solomon impresses him. And we think, wow, like that's a really cool story. But it's also wildly political. Like he's building trade routes. He's building his empire, right? And so this is the merchant part. And so he is the person who builds God's temple. So next, 
It should be a gif. It should be moving his hands. If it's not, that's fine. But things seem to be going really well, right? Things seem to be going really well, right? Beautiful temple for God. All this trade. Israel's getting bigger. But then also, um, things don't go terribly well. Why? You can go next slide. So I said, King David's nickname, we already said, God after man's own heart, right? Things are going well. David and Solomon actually, toward uh, David's death, they conspire to consolidate power through assassination. That's what God wants everyone to do, right? Consolidate power through assassination. Yes, that's a better laugh. That's a better response uh, early on a Thursday morning. Now we're talking. So basically David has his sons and they kind of are infighting and they kind of want to fight over one another and David's like no, no no we don't want that to happen so hence conspiracy to make sure Solomon gets the reign and there's no competition I'm massively oversimplifying a longer narrative but for the sake of an overarching story I think it's important and so what we see is Solomon King Solomon son of King David great king of Israel ends up looking more like Pharaoh than David he has this massive wealth, this huge military. Um, he uses slave labor for his building projects. He has many wives of kings. So these are political, like it's 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's a lot of women. Do with that what you will. Um, and he embraces the religion and idols of of the foreign kings, of the foreign wives that he brings into his house. So basically, in Deuteronomy 7, there's a list of all the things that Israel should do and how kings should behave. And at the end of Solomon's life, it's none of that. It's none of what he asks Israel to do. It's none of what um, God wants um, his followers to do. So if you go to the next slide, basically, Solomon loves these women. He's not fully devoted to God. He follows Asherah, Molech. These are like the gods, kings, idols of other um, nations. And so in 1 Kings 11, so the Lord became angry with Solomon. And because his heart had turned from the Lord, God of Israel, dot, 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 a little bit later, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant, dot, dot, dot. I will tear it out of the son of your hand. And so that servant, if you go to the next slide, is a guy named Jeroboam. And Jeroboam worked with kind of the northern nations, and he helped organize a lot of Solomon's building projects. But Rehoboam, great names, right? When you're thinking about naming your kids, I think Rehoboam and Jeroboam should be top of the list. Pro tip. Your partner will be very happy with you, whoever that person ends up being. So Rehoboam, son of Solomon, okay? Just like his dad, towards the end of his life, he has all this stuff. So when you have lots of stuff, guess what? You want more stuff, right? When you have power, you want more power because you got to protect what you have, right? You have all this stuff because you, you need more taxes. Whoa, we need to do more building projects, right? More slave labor. Bad things. Really bad things, okay? Um, and we just read that prophecy uh, from Ahijah that, who basically said your kingdom is going to be divided. So Jeroboam rejects the policies of Rehoboam and leads these northern tribes um, to separate. And so if you go next slide, he's got this great, uh, what, I say chirp. What do you guys say when you make fun of somebody? Do you, do you call chirping still? Is that a thing? Okay, great. Thanks. What part do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? Look at your tents, Israel. Look after your own house, David. 
right? Big burn, right? Okay, so they're the north. This is like David's line. They're like, we don't want you anymore, so get, get away from us. So, right, so that seems good for the northern kingdom. We're like, right, Rehoboam, he's like, we don't, or Jeroboam against Rehoboam, he's like, we don't want slave labor. We don't want heavy taxes. We want to follow God. Sounds good. However, um, they build temples with uh, golden calves in Bethel and Dan. And again, earlier in the Torah, there's this you know, whole bad situation with Moses and them worshiping golden calves. They don't get it, right? It's like you should worship God, not the golden calf. So things don't go very well for the north either. Uh, and, oh, next slide, map. Yay! Nice little break from words. Get to look at a map. So basically, you can see this yellow part, Judah at the bottom. See Jerusalem? Nice little star. That's the capital. That's where they move the, uh, you know, they move the tabernacle, build the temple. And then you'll see you got, um, uh, does it say Bet-El? It does say Bet-El, which is Bethel. It's just the Jewish way of saying Bet-El. means house of God. Um, and then uh, Samaria as the capital there. And uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. They built the temple, the two temples, one's in Bethel and the other one's in Dan, which is further north, but it's not on that map. But anyway, Samaria becomes the capital there. Uh, I don't know if that's helpful, but I like looking at maps. Nice. Samaria is a cool place. Uh, Samaria is a city called Nablus today in the West Bank, and if you follow politics, the West Bank is a very interesting place. Um, and uh, that Shiloh, that place I showed you earlier on the map, um, that's in a Jewish settlement. So I don't know how you feel about politics today, but it's very complicated that you have Jewish areas and Palestinian areas, and it's all bad. It's like there was a divided kingdom 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, and there's still a divided kingdom today. But now it's more complicated because it's not just Jewish people and Samaritans. Now you have Jewish people, Samaritans, Christians and Muslims, all in a delightful pot of a very, very small area right against the Mediterranean Sea. And it's really sad. It's really, really, really sad. Um, it's a really, really tragic thing. It was tragic then. I know I'm kind of trying to be lighthearted because I'm trying to do like a history lecture and make it exciting for you. Um, but there's a lot of death, right? There's a lot of blood, and that blood is still being shed today, and it's really, really complicated and really, really sad. Okay. Next slide. We'll lighten up the mood again with some violence, okay? 20 successive kings in northern Israel, 20 successive kings in southern uh, Judah. That's kind of what the book of Kings tells. It's a little bit messy to read. I did a fun thing in the pandemic. Did you do fun things in the pandemic? No, boring pandemic. On Saturday nights, there was no hockey night in Canada. I was really mad. So I said, what could I do? On Saturday night when my kid's asleep and my wife is exhausted and she's asleep, I thought, hmm, I'd like to read the Bible a little bit more. So I read the Bible on Zoom with like eight to ten other people and we just read the Bible for the first time an hour and a half straight. We read the whole Gospel of Mark and we thought that was cool and then we talked about it and then we did it again every Saturday for like 18 months. And so we actually read through 
I mean, so, well, I read through all the New Testament at least once. I read through good chunks of the Old Testament as well, too. So it included the book of Kings. And it was wild to, like, read through these uh, chunks at a time because you're like, oh, man, they really messed up. And they're like, oh, man, this looks like a lot of modern politics right now, maybe with, like, less assassinations of political leaders, but still very similar to world issues today. So basically what the book tells is, like, okay, how, does the, how do the kings do? And this is the criteria. Did they worship the God of Israel alone? Did they rid Israel of idolatry? And were they faithful to the covenant like David? David's held up as this like, great example of someone who follows God's covenant. Because even though he did mess up, he was still a man after God's own heart. Thank you. Very good. Okay. So in the north, how many kings were good? None of them. Zero out of 20. Good job, Israel. Right? Zero out of 20. How would you feel if you did zero out of 20 on your uh, literacy test? Okay, in the south, some good kings. Eight out of 20. Passing grade. Nope, not a passing grade. Things don't go well. So um, we call them the book of kings, but we might as well call them the book of the prophets. And in fact, Jews don't, uh, the Hebrew Bible is divided into Torah, prophets, and writings. So they actually call it prophets. So we call it the book of kings, but really the prophets are the big deal. God raises the prophets to hold Israel and Judah, the kings, accountable. Like I mentioned at the start, we know the story of Elijah and Elisha. Those are really like prominent kings in the north. And the north is really bad, so you need really, really big prophets to tell the story. Uh, yeah, let's go through some of these kings. Next. So, Nadab, Jeroboam's son, right? Okay, Solomon, Jeroboam, Nadab, you guys have memorized all this? Perfect. Great. So, he ruled for two years, then he gets murdered by Baasha, then Baasha's son also only rules for two years before getting assassinated. Then this guy Zimri, seven days! Seven days, and then he gets assassinated. Oh! Uh... That British Prime Minister was just mentioned, she served for like, what, like 40 days? That was pretty short for a British Prime Minister. That's rough. Anyways, this guy Omri who kills him, he brings stability for a little while. He's the guy who makes the capital happen in Samaria because before they were kind of just still kind of scattered. So similar to David, how David's like, let's make Jerusalem a capital. You know, bring our religious center here, bring our stuff here. He does the same thing for Samaria. He's like, that was a good move a bunch of decades ago. Let's do that. So Samaria becomes a big place. Um, and then this big Elijah with Ahab and Jezebel, the showdown. If you haven't read 1 Kings 17 to 19 or haven't heard like a fiery preach on it at some point in time recently, it's a good two, it's a good two three chapters. It's pretty entertaining for Old Testament reading. Um, highly recommend. So next slide, 2 Kings 17. Again, if you were to pick a chapter to read that's like pretty pivotal, 2 Kings chapter 17 is pretty pivotal. So, at least in telling the story. The Israelites persisted in all the sins of Jeroboam and did not turn away from them until the Lord removed them from his presence, as he had warned through all his servants and the prophets. So the people of Israel were taken from their homeland to exile in Assyria, and they are still there. So, Assyria. Have you heard that? Have you heard that before? Assyria. So, kind of, Israel was a big nation. Assyria, also other big nation. They basically totally invade, totally destroy, knock down Samaria, take people away. They're just utterly basically destroyed as a nation. Samaria doesn't really exist. Except, you know how Samaria is still on the map and I call it a town called Nablus? There are still like 800 Samaritans left today 
They are the oldest continuous religious cultural people group in the world. So you know, have you ever been to like a UNESCO World Heritage Site? There's a like fancy places that are like recognized by like, you should protect this like area, whether because it's like natural or like a historic site. They're a people group that's like recognized by UNESCO, which is wild and crazy. But um, I hung out with some of them when I was there. It was pretty cool. Uh, okay, so things are awful for the North. Zero out of 20 kings. Assyria totally wipes them off the map, you know, except for a couple hundred people who eventually just continue on as a people group. And then south. Okay, so we said eight out of 20. Eight out of 20, still not a passing grade. Hezekiah, trust God. He defends against Assyria. And actually, if you do, uh, go to the next slide. We'll come back to this one. Go to the next slide. Hezekiah built this crazy tunnel underneath Jerusalem. I've walked through this tunnel because they were, like, basically they needed water, and then you have Assyria coming around your city. So if your water is, well, that's my alarm to stop talking in one minute. If your alarm, not if your alarm, if your army is surrounding you and you need water, you need a tunnel. Uh... It's wild. It's crazy. They built this. It's kind of like in England, when across France, when they built the tunnel from two ways, except this is like, you know, 2,500 years ago, and they just had like stone chinks. They met in the middle. No one knows how they did it. It's incredible. Okay, back to the other side. Manasseh, absolute worst. He brings idols into the temple. He brings in child sacrifice. That's bad. That's really bad for Israel. Okay, after that, Josiah, he finds the Torah again, finds the lost scroll. He's convicted, institute reforms. Um, he gets rid of these Canaanite idols. Good stuff. Josiah, another good king. However, it's not good enough because after all the crap, do you say crap? Is that okay to say from the stage? Great. Crap. Um, it's, it's bad. Okay, so you can go to the last slide from bad to worse. Be careful what you wish for is what you guys talked about the first two days of this week. So the question here, if I were to do a practical application in 30 seconds, is who is your king? It's very easy for us to point fingers and look at a nation and say, you know, how bad are they, right? It's easy for us to look at, and I'm sure you're gonna next week talk about Canada, colonial history, these are problems. We can say, wow, look at how bad things were then, right? So then the question is, how about in your life? What does sin look like as a nation? What does sin look like in our lives, Right? And so it's like really, really easy to point like, look at this big, bad, scary thing. But we look at the lives of each of these kings. We look at the lives of these prophets. And we better start be looking at the lives of ourselves. And what, I, what became apparent when I did these like big, long reading the Bible things, it was like, oh man, shoot. Like, <laughs> what does that look like in the life of my family, right? What does that look like in the life of me and my siblings? What does that look like in, in my life with my, my friends when I don't do the things that I know that I should Am I asking God in prayer, like the kings should be following God after their heart, right? Who are the prophets and people in my life that I should be listening to to correct and guide and instruct me along the way, right? And then we also have the benefit of having scripture. How can God be speaking to me in and through scripture? So those things, prayer, the people around you that you love and trust and should be speaking into you, as well as scripture, they can be guiding us. They can be helping us along the way. So I hope you enjoyed this gigantic overarching history of Israel and a bit of a history lecture um, and then a bit of, you know, just what I think for you guys. Thanks, friends. Thanks, Jordan. Okay, couple of announcements.
Um, guys, Life Group is happening today in the SLC. Um, and tomorrow, there's going to be a band here to lead us in worship. So please come bring some friends. It's going to be great. Um, yeah, I'm going to pray. And then when I'm done, if you guys could tuck the chairs back into the tables as you go, that would be great. God, thank you that you are faithful even when we're not. Help us to walk with you today. Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs>